All right, welcome to Against All Odds, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Cousin Sal here, along with the CEO of this podcast, Master Tate Frazier. What's happening, Tate? Not too much, Sal. Excited to be here. Got a lot of, a lot of good stuff to talk about today. A lot of good stuff. We're going to go over NCAA odds, football. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's right around the corner next Saturday. Uh, Miami and Florida doing battle. We're right. We're here. We're, we're right here already. There's not a lot of college basketball. I'm sorry. But it's time to talk football, Tate. You understand, right? Yeah, as soon as you see Guy Fieri at a football practice, you know the football season is here. So here we are. That's true. That's true. Well, listen, couldn't do without these guys. On the line right now, my gurus of gambling, my barons of betting, my wizards of wagering, my overlords of the odds, the degenerate trifecta, brother Bri, Harry, and Darren, the parlay kid. What's happening, fellas? What's going on, Sal? Hey, Sal. What's going on, buddy? Oh, we got a lot. Like I said, we're going to go over NCAA odds. We're going to hit all five power conferences. We're going to pick a winner at the end. We have Gil Brandt. We have a Hall of Famer. He's going to call in a little later on, talk to us about the NFL, the state of the Cowboys, all that kind of good stuff. Harry, let's start with you. Um, You've been nailing these preseason NFL games, right? You you said to me, like, I have a lot of free time. I'm unemployed. You, you told me, what was it, the Raiders-Rams? You said the Raiders' backup stinks? Well, I, well, well I, I, yeah, I said the Raiders' backup stinks, and, but, well, but they were minus 220 on the money line. And mm-hmm. uh, the other game, San Francisco against your boys, were minus 220 on the money line. But Mahomes, they come out and make a big statement that Mahomes is playing the whole first quarter, so he'd probably get two possessions. Um, and, and they're home against Cincy, who's terrible. Um, why were they only minus 190? And then by game time, it dropped to 175 on the money line. Now they won, and they were also a minus a half in the first quarter, which was a loss, but they still won by 21 points. Why were Mahomes and the Chiefs 180, 175 by game time, and those two were 220? I don't know. Why are you reading into preseason NFL lines? It's such a, <laughs> it's such a joke. And how, how can you think you know the 100-man rod, the third running back on any of these teams? Or do you? I, I don't know. You look. Oh, I sort of. I sort of do. I've got. Uh, you know. I, I look at. I check this stuff out. I mean, honestly, it, we're all. It's insane if we battle. Just at the end of the Tampa Pittsburgh game, it, there was four minutes to go. Pittsburgh's up sixteen, laying two and a half. They give up two touchdowns in the last four minutes, in the last ten seconds. They go for two. Actually, Tampa and miss it to go to overtime. They lose by two, getting two and a half. Be at Pittsburgh minus two and a half. You're sick. It's very, very silly It's uh, to bet these games. Our, our friend Jeff Schwartz gave us a little bit of insight, said maybe the defensive-minded coaches want these games more or the first-year coaches really working out who they want in these lineups. Maybe they uh, give it a little more in these games. I think I went 3-1 and one following his advice sparingly, just kind of just doing my own thing with that. But, Harry, you weren't wrong about another matchup, a big matchup coming up, and that's Lenny Dykstra against the bagel boss guy. Now, you put a line on this. And what did you say it was going to be? Minus 480 on Lenny. You said minus 480 on Nails. Um, and then some offshore accounts came up with odds, and we laughed at you. Oh, one, two, three. The Jenner trifecta, the rest of them, and myself. We all oh, scoffed. I did. And I, then, Darren, Brian, Brian was kind of the dick. Brian <laughs> was the worst with it? And then Brian, it came yeah, out. I think it is minus one. It's minus 450 for Dykstra, right? Brian right, said minus like 10,000. I'm still trying to think of how is that my minus 10,000. Again, like you said, unless he throws this fight, I just have no idea how. Why would he be minus 40 against this guy? This guy got tackled by a no-name guy in the, in the deli. That just doesn't make any sense. This is a <laughs> the professional bagel, athlete. 
the bagel boss might not have been showing anything. And with Dykstra hanging out with me a couple times, I'm not going to go into detail, but a little, uh, little rundown, a little slow. So uh, I'm going to give bagel bo- boss uh, the nod, uh, the nod on this, even though I'm the odds are Dykstra at one at minus five hundred. Oh, you think, he, he could, you think he could actually win the bagel boss? Yeah, I mean, I've oh, shown wow. all his, uh, everything that he can do. Sure. I was just and he was holding back. He, he, he knew that someone was videotaping him, and he's like, you know what? I'm not going to give him my all because I'm probably going to be matched up with someone like Lenny Dykstra, and I want the odds to uh, reflect that I'm a loser. This is all making sense. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. By the way, Sal, just real, kid, by the way I'm, I'm also wondering uh, on Saturday night when we're all together uh, who the parlay kid is going to take in the Rams, because we're going to bet the Rams-Cowboy game. Uh, oh, I mean, yeah. he's he, obviously a big Cowboy fan, but I'm just saying, but he loves the Rams. Parlay kid loves the Rams now. You can't, you can't. Rams. You always go against the Cowboys in preseason. I, I would go against them every single time. I, if I bet preseason football, 100% would always bet against the Cowboys in All right, preseason. So, that, so that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing Saturday night. All right. Uh, well, well, there you go. Well, okay. Back real quick, Harry. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. But back to the bagel boss and Lenny Dykstra thing, because I have kind of like an outline here. Uh, I do think, Parley Kid and Brother Bry, that you did this. The only, they factored into the line that Dykstra might want to make a quick buck before going off to prison and could throw this thing. Because otherwise, there's no reason this should be um, less than minus a thousand, right? A hundred percent. I mean, that would be the only reason. I mean, you brought up a good point with that. I mean, like I said, I was way off on this line before it came out. I, I made fun of Harry uh, relentlessly, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, that would be the only thing that would make sense if he wants to put a, a few grand on, on the bagel boss guy. But um, I still don't know. It still should be at least minus a thousand, minus right. five hundred. Well, listen, the moral really is, you know, you could be at your very, the lowest of low in your life. You could be screaming at an employee in a, in a bagel chain restaurant, or you could be dumpster diving for your dentures. And just in a matter of weeks, there you are in a prize fight garnering national attention. Yeah. So c- congratulations to Dykstra and the bagel boss guy. Brother Bryce, sticking with you, uh, you got your car repossessed. It was a big week. Antonio Brown got it frostbite, uh, frostbite in your favorite team and then um, uh, proposed to his helmet. And then decided it wasn't a big deal that he wasn't having his helmet. What a week for you, Brian. <laughs> yeah, good, real good week for me, starting with the car repossession. I mean, I could see if I lost hundreds of thousands of dollars of gambling <laughs> and I couldn't pay my car bill. But when the, uh, when the bank screws up uh, applying a payment and they just come in the middle of the night on Friday and take my car, and then I don't have the car the whole weekend, and they say, oh, sorry, you can't get it back until Monday at uh at least nine o'clock. That that was really nice. So I spent hours Saturday just yelling at employees at uh, Beth Page Federal Credit Union, and uh, <laughs> that was fun. I, you you know me. I don't really uh, I don't really yell. It, it takes a lot for me to get angry, and yeah. I I basically I told the person on the line. I'm like, you better put in for overtime now because I am not hanging up this phone until I get my car. And then uh, <laughs> they just waited me out. And then after about two hours, I just hung up the phone. Yeah, after a while, you realize, what the hell am I doing? I could, uh, well, you should have, uh, I, like I said, we have many listeners in Long Island. They might have, they would have been happy to drive you around or fly Harry out. He's not doing anything. Um, <laughs> how are you liking, uh, what, how are you liking Hard Knocks? I loved Hunter Renfro. I keep checking uh, uh, iTunes to see if Hunter Renfro's rendition of Lean On Me is available. Not not there. It's very weird. 
Well, it's funny that that first episode I was saying how bad the first episode was terrible. Not a lot happening. Yeah. Uh, but I said, really, all you have to do in episode two is just focus on Gruden, which they mostly did. And he is great. Mm-hmm. He's great to watch. Gruden's great to listen to, which is funny because how many people hated listening to him on Monday Night Football? But when you hear him like actually passionate about his own team, it's it's great to hear him cursing. But again, Monday, I don't mm-hmm. know why that never really worked. Um, but you know, him saying like, my life is running out of lifespan. That was fantastic. Him just, him, him just cursing any, anytime he curses to me, that's, that's it's great. Fun. Uh, I, I look at him and he actually looks like he could be, it looks like a combination. He could be the owner, Mark Davis and Donald Trump. If they had a child, it really could be, could be Chucky. I don't know. I look at that. I was like, wow, this is the president's son that we're looking at right now. But well, I feel um, bad for you. He should be better looking than he is, right? I always think yes. that. You're like, this guy's not that bad looking, but he's making himself look like Mark Davis, which is as bad right. as it gets. Exactly. Well, maybe maybe his good looks will uh, will thrive as as the year goes on. Uh, Parley kid, your Yankees stealing the New York Thunder back in baseball from my Mets. Uh, Mets were red hot, couldn't nah, lose. Now really. they've kind of come down to earth of course the yankees playing the orioles who ever this is like the globetrotters and the washington generals already with this but uh you know for a while the mets with the news you had the yankees what what babies you had brett gardner banging on the on the dugout roof just to get attention just to try to draw attention away from the mets but now it doesn't matter like i said big need a big win out of uh of wheeler today but you're happy with the yankees and where they are right now yes i'll uh yeah look all good teams, what do they do? So you got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat, even though the Yankees are probably supposed to beat almost everybody. And your Mets took advantage of the same type of thing there for a little bit while they went on their winning streak and everybody loved it. Uh, you know, playing the likes of, you know, the Marlins and and the Pirates, which, I mean, right. they, they might be a slight upgrade. The Orioles are a terrible team. I'm not even sure how they've won any any games. And as Brian said, I mean, uh, the Tigers are right there with them in terms of uh, there's some really yeah. bad baseball teams right now. And baseball, and it's not like tanking a football season, right? When you think about it, I'm, I'm not saying these guys are trying to tank, but it's one thing for a fan to know, like, wow, if we have a really terrible football season, we're going to kind of get re- rewarded for it. Mm-hmm. But in baseball, right. I mean, I know there's the, you know, the, there's still the baseball draft, but there's no sh- sure things in a baseball draft. so. To watch your team for 162 games be, um, I'm not sure if it would be historically bad, but, uh, you know, a 60-win yeah. team maximum, that is right. that is tough to uh, tough to handle. So I uh, feel bad for those fans. But Yankees, you know, they just uh, plug somebody in, they get the job done. That's what's happening right now. So Yeah. Speaking of getting the job done, our Polly Kid and I root for the Cowboys. Harry pointed out. I guess they're playing the Rams this week, preseason. I don't care. Harry's got a lot of theory. He's got he knows these teams up and down. But Polly Kid, the only guys I'm concerned about right now are Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. Everyone's making such a big deal out of whether Jerry Jones is going to sign him. I think he's going to because he's what turned seventy eight in a couple weeks, and I don't think he wants to see three more quarterbacks. He's probably trying to figure it out with this group. So he's going to end up overpaying. Don't you see that? Yeah, absolutely, Sal. And it will set the Cowboys back uh, in future years. But at this point, what's their uh, alternative, right? You, you got to bring these guys in. Uh, he's he's hyping up the kid from uh, Memphis as a running back. That kid, I mean, I think they kind of drafted him more as like a third down back. 
maybe even as a little bit of a slot receiver. Uh, I don't see him carrying the ball. I, Tony Pollard? You know, that, you know, goes, yeah. yeah, Tony Pollard, right. And let's face it, Sal, it goes hand in hand. I mean, Dak is always much better when Zeke is in the backfield because of the play action, et cetera. Sure. Uh, and Dak's got, Dak especially as the cow. What are the Cowboys going to do? Not give Dak money? They're going to yeah. have to pay him. They'll kind of, they'll give him probably, I mean, he turns down 30 million. He wants 40. What are they going to yeah. settle on? 32, 33, or something like that in that area? Yeah, that's and a little big. Yeah. Yeah. We just have to get used to like a top. 16 quarterback getting paid in the top five, depending on which cycle you are and when everyone's contract is up. It's just, that's just how it is. That's exactly what's happening. It's exactly what's happening. And uh, like you're saying, what is Jones going to do? This is, he's getting older. uh, He's a lot older. And, um, you know, this is a a win now type of team. That's how it is. It's a win now type of team. Now let's uh, turn our focus to Saturday football because it's coming up. Like I said, next Saturday, it's first game of the year. Um, we're looking at odds right now. We're looking at Clemson, Dabo Sweeney's team, national champs, plus 220 to repeat. Alabama right there, plus 240. Georgia in the same conference, 8-1. to one. Uh, Ohio State and Oklahoma, 14-1. to one. And then Michigan right behind them, 15-1. to one. Those are the top uh, five or six teams there. Um, let's go conference by conference. ACC. Now, in terms of teams ranked in the final AP poll, even though Clemson won it all, if you look at winning percentage versus like non-conference opponents, ACC is fourth out of fifth and fifth in other, uh, other categories. So they have this one team who's just running roughshod everyone, Clemson. Dabble Swing's 55 and four over the last four seasons, three title appearances, 30 and two in the ACC. It's got everyone back. Well, not everyone. He's got Trevor Lawrence, lost some receivers, got Travis at the end, receivers. T. Higgins and Justin Ross, eight actually uh, returning starters on offense. Um, this is kind of a boring co- uh, conference. The, the, the one I live in there, the Pac-12 is the most boring. But if you look at it, Clemson is minus 800 to win this conference. Minus 800 is as high as you'll ever see for a conference title. They're minus 600 to make the playoffs. You look at other teams, Miami 10-1, to 1, Virginia Tech 12-1, to 1, Virginia 12, Florida State 20, uh, Harry Syracuse is 25 Louisville boy the mighty have fallen 500 to one um let's start with you Harry because I know you love Syracuse I asked you for a best bet be it an over under and wins or uh odds to win the conference title you went Syracuse surprisingly I went Syracuse over seven and a half wins look look facts remain no one not even Alabama has given Clemson more headaches the past two seasons as Syracuse has uh Look out. That game is played in the Carrier Dome, second week of the season, September 14th. College game day is supposed to be there. Those, those past two games, Syracuse won as a 23-point underdog at home two years ago, and last year had the game in hand and winning the whole time for 58 minutes in Clemson. And look what Clemson did to Alabama in the finals. So Syracuse has a lot of things going for them. Uh, new quarterback, Tommy DeVito, he came in last year and rallied them to a win against Tate's Carolina team. So he can get it done. Andre Sisco led the country in uh, interceptions as he was the uh, defensive player of the year in the ACC at seven picks. And this year's schedule for Syracuse, it's not difficult at all. Their non-conference schedule is Liberty, Western Michigan, Holy Cross, and Maryland. And Maryland's like over-under for the season is like four and a half. So 
I think with those games, if you put those in there and they're scheduled in the ACC, I think they get about nine, maybe even ten. They won ten games last year. Dabo Sweeney, uh, Dabo uh, Dino Babers has got things going on for Syracuse. So, all right, over seven and a half looks good. Let's just remember, though, we always have to remember Harry likes um, geography and he likes names, and he grew up near <laughs> Syracuse, so he loves Syracuse. And he's always going to take their over. He likes names. We'll get into the Michigan quarterback with Colored. the same last name as his girlfriend. So. We should we should talk about the the Kirby Dardar game on the day you drove. That was pretty. Well, good. let's talk about how you had you were red red hot last year until you bet Syracuse over Notre Dame, right? That was your big. That was a big one. Yeah, right? that's right. I think yeah, you had wow. like six in a row or something. Uh, no. yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I'd hit like eight straight best bets on the show. And then I just I had, and I had penciled that one in a month ahead of time, saying that Syracuse is going to take them down. The game was in Yankee Stadium, under Syracuse. But that was a bad one, no doubt. No plus doubt. Plus nine. I think I was like, all right, Harry's not that foolish. She's plus nine. I'll take him on a three-team teaser. Plus nineteen, and they didn't even cover that. That was that was a disaster. Uh, Parlay yeah. kid, you're going with another one, not on Clemson's side of the, uh, not in Clemson's division in the conference, right? You like Virginia? Yeah. Yeah, so I like Virginia. About a month ago, I was looking at the over-under sound. I noticed Virginia was uh, over seven and a half, and I loved it. I've noticed recently they've gone up to eight, which, uh, but it's still plus 110 at over eight. So uh, I'm not really rooting for a push here, but I think worst-case scenario, you're going to get a push here with this team. And I actually think they're going to eclipse eight wins this year. They finished seven and five last year. Uh, the team keeps improving under Bronco Mendenhall. Uh, and their record last year might have actually uh, could have been better. Three of their five losses were by four points or fewer. Uh, so that bodes well. Uh, they have, as Harry has even said, the second best QB in the ACC, right, Harry? And Bryce Perkins. Definitely. Uh, the second best uh, TD uh, to interception ratio of 25 to 9 last year. Had over 900 yards on the ground and over 2,600 yards passing. The only other quarterback to do that in the NCAA last year, Kyler Murray. Okay, right. so this kid's the real deal. And uh, they have a very experienced offensive line back. And as well as really the strength of the team is the defense. They have three non-conference games versus William & Mary, Old Dominion, and Liberty. Sounds like three wins right there, right? And no Clemson on the schedule. Um, and really, uh, probably right now they're actually on the road to start the season versus Pitt. They're minus three. They're actually a favorite in that game. They'll probably only be a dog twice all year at Notre Dame and at Miami. And they won't even be huge dogs there. They'll probably win one of two of those games. So let's go over eight at plus 110. Really like Virginia this year. All right. I like it. Eight and five last year, like you said, seven returning starters on defense. And they were already number three in uh, defense in the ACC. Brother Bry, you're going a little bit down in the, uh, in the, in the rankings there for the conference. Wake Forest, James Baby Doll Dixon is on the board of directors for some bullshit. I don't know what Wake Forest. His kid, two of his kids go down. He will, uh, he will appreciate he this pick. He like definitely does not the follow this football team, does he? Uh, I think he, you know, only like if they're within like uh, a field goal of Clemson in the, in the second quarter will he get excited, and then that's that. But you like them over six, right? Yeah, I like them over six at minus 130. Um, look, I feel like this line should probably be like six and a half, seven. Look, I'll give you a little bit just because we're going to start doing all these, you know, the five conferences. But usually I like to pick a team that ends the season well, a team that increases their wins every every year under the coach or, or a coach that's historically good. And then obviously I look at the schedule. So 
they have a really easy start to the season, especially if they get by Utah State. They are always tough, but they have a good chance to be 4-0. Could be 5-1 and hitting into that Florida, uh, that Florida State game. So that, those first four are Utah State, Rice, UNC, Elon. Then they have BC and Louisville. So I do think they're going to end up – there's a good chance they could be 5-1. and I'm actually – well, I'm not surprised. This is a team – like, Harry, you usually, I feel like, jump on Wake Forest every year. Uh, during the season, but you know they have a lot of talent back. I guess the only question at this point in time is which quarterback is going to start between Sam Hartman or Jamie Newman. Both guys started last year, but uh, Hartman was injured. But if you look at Clawson in the last three years, he had seven wins, eight wins, seven wins. So I feel like worst case, uh, this is a push. Um, they ended the season really well last year, winning three of four. They won at NC State. They beat the crap out of Duke, and they beat Memphis. So again, I think this is a team that under Clawson, he's you know, steady, you know, they'll win, they'll win their seven games. And especially, like I said, the schedule is pretty easy. So I feel like over six worst case to push. So definitely take the over. Yeah. Their coach is good. Uh, their defense wasn't good last year. Like I know the 12th no, in the bad. ACC, but uh, yeah, seven wins last year. If they can get that fourth win in the conference, they're right there. They're, they're probably maybe a win and a half over the uh, total. If they go four and four, they were three and five last year. Bro, yep. Bry likes Wake Forest over six. I'm going to take Boston College under six. I'm right there in the same range team with you. Under six is minus 120. Everyone loves A.J. Dillon, great rusher, 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns last two years, a Heisman hopeful for sure. But they lost four starting offensive linemen, uh, including the all-conference you know, pro tight end Tommy Sweeney. Their quarterback's okay. It's Anthony Brown. He throws for like 55% of a new O.C., a new D.C., they're returning only nine starters, six offensive and three defensive, and they're thin at defensive line. They have one guy returning. Uh, they had that Hamp Cheevers in the secondary. He had seven interceptions, tied the league, the, the whole country. He's gone. Two other starting safeties gone. Um, they're at Clemson. They're at Syracuse. They're at Pitt. They're at Notre Dame. They host Florida State, NC State, Virginia Tech. That's a tough, tough schedule. Wake Forest always plays them tough. Um, they'll, they'll be favored like maybe in one of those games. Finish four of the last five on the road. I think five and seven team at best for uh, Coach Adazio. I would say Boston College under six wins. Now, Tate, this is your conference, your team, the Tar Heels. How do you see that? You're going to a game, right? You're going to the first game? Yeah, we got Mac Brown back, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, the the Mac is back, return of the Mac, whatever you want to say. So I'm going to go to the opener, uh, South Carolina against North Carolina. The uh, the two Carolinas taking on each other in, in Charlotte to open the season, so I'll be at that game. But uh, I will say I agree with Parlay Kid. I like uh, what Virginia has to offer. I like that they're in the Coastal Division. I like Bryce Perkins. I mean, I think he set the school record for total offense in a single season last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have, like, four good running backs, and this freshman that they have coming in, Mike Hollins, as a guy I really like too, but uh, back to back to Mac Brown. I don't know what Carolina will do in year one with Mac Brown, but I know it will at least be more exciting than Larry, Larry Fedora. So that's yeah. all I can ask for. Did our boy graduate yet? Who's the offensive lineman that listens to us? What's his name? Mason Veal. Yeah. Yes, I believe he finally graduated. Is he gone? Oh, I think. Yeah, I think I think he's uh, maybe still a grad student there, but I don't think he's playing football right now. I yeah, think his eligibility football. was up. He Definitely didn't make the pros. He wasn't drafted. Well, you know, it's still TBD. We got to wait right. and see. I mean, he'll he'll end up on hard knocks at some point. I'm yeah, sure. come on, Mason. We said, <laughs> last chance, you guy. We saw like it was out and like uh, he didn't last twelve minutes of the first episode. You, you could be the, that guy next year, right? 
Come on, Mason. Yeah, just Dill. put on the yeah, put on the sixty three jersey and see if you can get it on your pads right, and you may have a chance. That's right. There you go. All right, <laughs> let's move to the SEC. Um, uh, th- this to me is the most competitive. I- I'm not saying anything that anybody doesn't know here. They're, they're just fun to watch. And Alabama's cream of the crop. They've appeared in the title game each of the last four years. SEC is five hundred nine and one hundred twenty four. That's over eighty percent against non conference opponents over the last. 10 years. And that's, I mean, that's not a Prairie view every week. Um, Bama beat Georgia 35, 28 championship game last year. Great game. Josh Jacobs, by the way, brother Brian, where is Josh Jacobs in the hard knocks? Not even a snippet of, oh, I know <laughs> he tweeted something out saying, uh, last night that he was hiding. So I thought that was pretty funny. He's hiding. He's smart. He's smart. Yeah, to hide. He was um, hiding from the cameras. That's, it's smart. Yeah. It's smart to stay away. He was uh, the MVP of that, that championship game. Um, Bama's minus two twenty five to repeat. As SEC champs, their over-under is 11. By the way, I wanted to mention <laughs> uh, Clemson's over-under is 11 and a half. So you're ba- basically betting on them to be perfect the whole okay. season. But yeah. Alabama's is 11. The over's minus 160. Georgia's right behind them. Not right behind them, but plus 250. And then you got the Floridas and the LSUs at 10. Auburn at 20 to 1. Uh, Harry, start us off with Georgia. You don't think Alabama's repeating. No, I'm going with the dogs. Look, I'm going to lead with the stat of the show. In the last two games Alabama and Georgia have played, Georgia has either been tied or had the lead in 280 of 289 total snaps, and they lost both games. Revenge is on their mind for the SEC championship. They put up 38 points a game last year, and quarterback Jake Fromm returned. He had a great season. He had 30 touchdowns and only six picks. Junior running back DeAndre Swift, uh, stud, you know, very high on uh, boards already for the NFL draft. I mean, he's one of only four Georgia running backs rush for uh, 1,000 yards and have 10 rushing touchdowns over the last 10 years. The other three are Gurley, Chubb, and Michelle. Uh, so, and on defense, they returned seven starters from a defense that was second best uh, in total defense last year. I mean, I think that uh, their schedule in terms of Difficulty isn't that bad at all. The, the toughest game they have on the road is at Auburn. Auburn's over-under is only eight. So Fromm and Swift, I think uh, they get it done for Kirby Smart and avenge last season's meltdown in the championship against Alabama and take down the Tide this year. You know what's interesting about the conference odds here? You have Georgia at plus 250, and it really it, it depends on the circumstance. Like they they could be 11-1, and one, and Alabama could be 12-0, and 0, and then Georgia has got a little kick to it to win the SEC championship, right? They they need that game more, and it doesn't necessarily mean Alabama yep. would be out of the playoff, right. you know, and or vice versa. Alabama could be eleven and one, and Georgia twelve and zero. Same so, thing as yeah. last year, right? That's exactly what could happen. That's but uh, Parley Kid, you agree with Harry, which is not always the best uh, idea, but you like the over under total here. Yeah, I do, Sal. At, you know, at first I was kind of uh, looking at Georgia to make the playoffs, which was even money. But then, you know, as we're debating that same thing here, right? If they lose one game during the season, they're going to need to beat Bama in the championship game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought at minus 150, let's just take the over-under at 10.5 for Georgia, which could give them that little leeway of losing one game during the season. And as Harry's saying, if you really look at this schedule, uh, I really think they ha- kind of like what I would consider a cupcake schedule. Uh, uh, as Harry already mentioned, uh, on the road, 
Auburn in November might be their toughest road game of the year. Uh, this is finally Fromm's team, too, right? He doesn't have a backup quarterback hanging around him. He, this is his team. It's been his team, but this is now where it's his time to his time to really rise above and take this team to that next level. But again, I'm playing it safe here at minus 150. Uh, let's take Georgia and the over. And don't forget, have one of the best kickers in Blankenship in, in the college football game. I love him. Some of those games could come down to him. You know, the guy with the goggles and everything. I love um, him. He's, he's, he's I, 63 I, years I, old I, and somehow still eligible. I love right. Him. Look, Sure looks like it, right? Yeah. I, it feels uh, like he's I'm been there forever. That schedule, yeah. Partly kid, you're right. Uh, they have Notre Dame and not too the home game. Looking at the, yeah, the home for them. They go on the road. And, you know, at Auburn, I'm looking at Auburn, I think it's 40 to 1 uh, to win the conference or something. They could be a They don't have LSU either. Yeah, they, they're playing Florida at a neutral site. Mm. Uh, they have Texas Tech, Texas A&M at home. I think Texas A&M could be their toughest game. Because I think right. offensively they can match up with Georgia. Notre Dame never, Notre Dame can't compete with teams like Georgia, Sal. They just don't have the athletes like Georgia has. Right. So uh, I, I feel like that schedule, at 10 and a half, I mean, and I'm even saying so, at minus 150, they can lose a game in there and right. still sure. get to that mind. That's, that's pretty good. I think this is a great bet. Uh, they're not losing more than one game. At minus 150, take over 10 and a half. All right, Brother Brian, you say Missouri could afford to lose three games and still hit your over, right? Yeah, I like Missouri over eight and a half. I will say for what do you think, Sal, talking about Georgia though, if they play if they we're we all think, right, they're gonna play Alabama in the championship. And even if they have even if Alabama's twelve and oh, though, what's Alabama in that line though? They're they're still what, minus two fifty in that game? Yeah. Or you right. think it's Probably less maybe it's a little less. Yeah. Maybe it's yeah, so I mean, you know, you you might get Georgia anyway. I see. Uh, at yeah. plus two hundred, maybe there's a tiny bit of value at plus two fifty, but uh, mm-hmm. you could probably you could probably wait a little bit. Yeah, they map these well, out. They they I think they pretty much have like, who's going to play each other in the, in these games. Right, right. exactly. Yeah. They're kind of setting that line for that game. Yeah. But um, so yeah, I like Missouri at eight and a half. I mean, the line seems high for a team that's on probation, but this team has a shot at ten wins. They really do. They even have a shot maybe at 11 wins. They're, they're, they have a really favorable schedule. It's one of the easiest schedules I can remember for an SEC team. Uh, plus, they have a lot of talent on this team out there. Uh, most kids stayed. They didn't transfer, which is weird considering they are on probation. I would have thought a lot of these kids would have left. But not only did the kids stay, Kelly Bryant came in from Clemson. So if you look at the schedule, this, they have a really good shot at going 6-0. and heading into Vanderbilt and Kentucky. So they're at Wyoming, home against West Virginia, home against Southeast Missouri, home against South Carolina, home against Troy, home against Mississippi. Then they have Vanderbilt and Kentucky on the road, but even those games are winnable. So they're going to be at Georgia, which you could say is a loss. They're home against Florida and Tennessee, and then at Arkansas. So, I mean, you're you're affording yourself three losses here. I, I don't see more than three on the schedule right now. Uh, if you look at Barry Odom, he's increased his wins every year. Uh, he's had eight and seven the last few years. Again, they've returned a really good defense. So I, I don't know. To me, I think eight and a half. I feel like this oh. line should probably be a little bit more like nine. But again, I'm definitely playing the favorable schedule here. All right. Missouri over. Georgia over for uh, the parlay kid. Georgia to win the conference. I'm going Old Miss. I'm going way down be- beyond all the powerhouses. Old Miss under five wins. 
Uh, they're still feel they're out of the woods, but still feeling the effects of the NCAA sanctions, uh, including reduced scholarships or the wake of the recruiting scandal. Um, least returning offensive production of any team in the FBS, 130 out of 130. Now, Matt Luke hired two coordinators, including uh, Rich Rodriguez in the OC. Um, redshirt freshman Matt Coral and not not is the only non-true freshman on the roster. There's redshirt freshman all over the place. They lost three starting receivers, including the two taken there to the top in the NFL, DK Metcalf, uh, AJ Brown, worst scoring defense in the SEC last season. They allowed like 36 points a game. It's a fourth straight year, 34 or more at Alabama, at Auburn, at Missouri, LSU, Mississippi State, AM. Uh same, same old foes. Underdog in nine games, I count this year. They'll go one and seven in the SEC, four and eight overall, and that'll be that for Matt Luke. Uh, Tate, do you have any thoughts on the SEC, or are we looking at uh, Bama Georgia again? Yeah, I think uh, I'm all in on Georgia getting the revenge because, like, uh, like we pointed out, Harry's favorite stat of the day. I mean, 280 minutes of 200 or 280 snaps of 289 snaps is pretty insane, and I think Georgia's a better football team. So I'm hoping Georgia finally gets over the hump. They freaking had that game, and then they went went on for it on fourth and ten. Like what? They, they did some stupid things down the stretch, but they yeah they were in control of that game for almost four quarters. It's a shame. Um, Big Ten, Big Ten was a lot of fun last year. Ohio State, Michigan. Battling, of course, Buckeyes whipped the Wolverines in Columbus. It looked like Michigan finally had their number. They go in there. They're a four-point favorite in Columbus, and uh, and Ohio State hand them their heads. It looked like things would be different. Michigan had that, def- that lockdown defense. Harry was in love with the quarterback. And, you know, still I didn't am. think North – what? What were you going to say? I said still am. Oh, you still are. Yeah, we're going to find out about that. But you st- I didn't think Northwestern, I don't think anyone thought North- Northwestern will win the other side over Wisconsin by three games. And then in the uh, conference championship, Ohio State kicked the crap out of them, 45-24. Urban Meyer's gone. He's with Fox Sports now. He's part of my team. Uh, nine Buckeyes drafted, five in the first 75 picks. This year, Michigan plus 140, Ohio State plus 160, Nebraska, Michigan State. Nebraska's 12, Michigan State 15. Wisconsin 15 to 1 and then you get Iowa Penn State at 18 Northwestern 30 to 1. Harry, go ahead and speak. Are you, you going to take Michigan here? Not here. Here I'm going to take the Cornhuskers of Nebraska over eight and a half wins. A lot of things are expected of this team. Uh, they only had four wins last year. Eight and a half is a pretty big number, but second-year head coach Scott Frost is a winner. He did it at Central Florida. He's now trying to do it at his alma mater. Uh, he's got 13 starters returning, including a uh, Heisman hopeful quarterback, Adrian Martinez. Martinez was great last year. Um, he had the second most rushing yards ever by a Big Ten quarterback. Uh, like I said, they only had four wins, but they played Ohio State tough in the horseshoe. They lost by five, and he actually outplayed Dwayne Haskins of Ohio State. Um, wide receiver J.D. Spielman returns and was the fastest player to 100 receptions and 1,000 yards receiving in school history. Their schedule, total cake, total cake schedule. They don't play Michigan, Michigan State, or Penn State in the conference. And their non-conference schedule includes South Alabama, Northern Illinois at home, and they play a bad Colorado team on the road who's predicted last in the south of uh, the Pac-12. They also play Purdue, who has a new quarterback. Maryland, again, I mentioned how bad they're going to be. They play at Illinois. Illinois' over-under is only like four and a half for the season. And... Um, and that means that you know I, I've got them at about nine. I think they can get ten as well. 
and then they play mm-hmm. Minnesota on the road. Uh, I know Brian likes them, but that's the toughest team they play on the road, and Minnesota's over under 7.5. They were tough last year. Like you said, Martinez, they were, they were like you said, uh, at Ohio State in the shoe. They lost 36-31. I had Ohio State on the money line screaming, screaming. You were going nuts. You and TV. Brian both did. You guys uh, were going nuts that game it. with Dex. Drive was uh, crazy. Brian, another team we scream about. Your your uh, brother's about to pick right now, Northwestern. I think they play Stanford. They play Stanford in the yeah. first game again. I think we lose that game every year. Yeah. We're going to let you know who we bet, and uh, so you guys could t- people can take advantage of that. But I that is a loss for the us. First but... year I got that right. I think I, I had Duke over Northwestern, but that was like the, the well, first time I got an early uh, Northwestern game right. That's ever. right. Yeah, but they've played Stanford. It's a mess with them. Paulie, kid, you have this Northwestern team uh, figured well, out. Well, yeah, because you, that's because you guys are probably betting against Northwestern uh, <laughs> most of the time because. Uh, you know, this is this is a very interesting team, Sal. Uh, it's been four straight years now with seven-plus wins. And even though the advanced stats would say that it's four straight years they've won more games than they should have. So what does that tell you about their coach? It tells you they have a fantastic coach with Pat Fitzgerald. And this year, yeah. over six-and-a-half wins at plus 120, I think is, is a great deal. I've hit uh, them over the past two years. Uh, and you know what? Some people might say, well, yeah, that four-year starter, Clayton Thorson, is gone. Did you ever watch Clayton Thorson? I know the Eagles drafted him, but yeah. uh, mediocre, mediocre at best. Right? They have a Clemson transfer in named Hunter Johnson, a five-star QB, will be much more dynamic than Thorson ever was. They have a running back. Named Isaiah Browser, who averaged 108 yards a game for the last eight games of the year. And the bottom line is, they always play great defense. And listen to this. These are their last six games on the schedule. We're talking about over six and a half wins at plus 120. Home versus Iowa at Indiana. Home versus Purdue. Home versus UMass. Home versus Minnesota at Illinois. Mm -hmm. They could conceivably win their last six games. So uh, at least five of those. So can they get two wins from the rest of the schedule? Yeah, well, they got they got uh, UNLV on their schedule. They could pull that one out. If they win that first game against Stanford, this is a shoot. You just you might as well just give me the money right now. That's that's nice. gonna be an easy one. Plus one twenty. Pat Fitzgerald, best coach in the Big Ten. You know what? I'm gonna give you the money right now. That's it. I've already All right. Okay. We're betting Stanford first game, aren't we? Though? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Brother Brian, you're betting Minnesota. What do you like about it? Uh, yeah, I like Minnesota over 7.5. And, and I, I will say, Sal, I'll give you credit um, for definitely taking some unders here because the yeah. unders, there's probably more value on the unders because when when yeah. Farley Kid and I, when we looked at these overs, they keep jumping up and up and up. And I think even for, even for Harry's, I think – Syracuse at one point something was like five and a half or six, which is crazy, which jumps up to seven and a half. But all of these lines jump up. You're probably a little smart to play the under on some of these. Although yeah. I just can't do it because you look at some of these games and you're like, oh man, there's like five really easy games, and now I only need two or three more. So I will say uh, that that's good. Or you? Well, I say the, the tough thing go, is because uh, there's, there's fewer <laughs> games in the NFL uh, than than there are in the NFL, and once you get the when you get the round number, like I'm about to throw at you. It's tough. It's tough to get. If you can get a half yeah. number, like you have Minnesota over seven and a half, all right, you could make a case for them to have eight or seven wins. It's much easier than the round number. But anyway, that's good. That's oh, a little yeah. inside baseball. But go ahead. 
Yeah, for sure. So I like Minnesota over seven and a half. But you have to lay minus one forty for it. Two years ago, there were five and seven under PJ Fleck. Last year, there were seven and six. So there's a lot of improvement. This team has sixteen starters returning, and again. Look at their schedule. Really favorable. Their crossover games are against Maryland and Rutgers. So they don't play any of the good teams from the other side. They go to South Dakota State. At Fresno, will be, at Fresno State will be tough, even though they beat them last year. Georgia Southern at Purdue, which I think is a winnable game. Then Illinois, Nebraska. I think this team is definitely – they have a shot at 5-0 and to start. Uh, definitely have a shot at 4-1. and Probably – very good chance of being six and two after eight games. So their last four are tough, but they only have to split those. It is a tough conference this side because it really is up for grabs. You know, I had them last year uh, in that last game of the year at Wisconsin. I had that money line. I think they were like, you know, three to one against Wisconsin, and they oh, beat yeah. the shit out of Wisconsin. Uh, the, the running back Muhammad Ibrahim ran all over, all over them. So again, you look at their last. They were a weird team because they. Beat some really good teams, and they lost to some really bad teams last year. But they were young. Um, so they beat up Wisconsin, beat up Georgia Tech, and they and they beat, beat up Purdue in three of the last four games. So, mm-hmm. again, they ended the season strong. Maybe this is the year finally Minnesota puts it together. And, again, I think just I think this team is getting to eight, eight wins here. I don't know if they're going to win a lot of their conference games, but I think they're getting to eight either way. All right, well, I'm going to let you down here because I'm taking an over. In Michigan State, over eight, that number, there it is again, minus 145. They got killed, killed last year, murdered in the injury bug on offense. They had 10 starters, missed 48 games. Now that quarterback, Brian Lewerke, I, I know everyone hates him, but he was night and day after that shoulder injury. And they have Cody White. He's an all-conference receiver. Defense, number one. Number one in the Big Ten last year, eighth in the nation. They have nine returning starters on the defensive side. I really love this over here. Nine and three, very doable with this schedule. They're going to be favored nine games. All right, they're at Ohio State. I'll give them the L. At Wisconsin, never a ton of offense there. Uh, at Michigan, always competitive rivalry in the uh, Johnny Appleseed Trophy. What is it, Harry? Paul Bunyan Trophy? One of the fake people. I don't know. Uh, Tulsa, uh, Western Michigan, Arizona State, <laughs> Northwestern at Rutgers. Home versus Indiana, Maryland, Illinois. 20 and 18 only over the last three years. Mark D'Antonio has to win, and I think he will. And they're going to be in every game this year. I like them over eight, minus 145. Uh, Tate, do you have a preference in the Big Ten? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, I'm, the, the main thing that I'm watching the Big Ten this year is just to see if uh, if Harbaugh can get over the hump and finally beat Ohio State because I feel like most Michigan fans have been very patient with that and they've, you know, kind of let it ride out. But I feel like with this year against a new coach, if he gets bested again in that rivalry game, people are finally going to start pointing at Harbaugh. So I'm and, watching for and that. And that's the last game of the year, right, Harry? Yep. In Michigan? And, yeah, so, I mean, that really, that's really going to determine it. And Ohio State – over under is ten, and Michigan State. I'm sorry, Michigan's over under nine and a half. The over is minus two thirty. They don't want to move that number. Let's go to the Big Twelve. This one's a little more wide open. Uh, Oklahoma last year defeated Texas 39-27. That was a fun one. And when their twelfth Big Twelve championship. By the way, only ten teams in the Big Twelve, which bothers me. What's the twelfth? I understand the teams moving around, but um, there's twenty two in the game. Big Ten. What is it? There's twenty two in the Big Ten. Yeah, there's a lot. They got to figure this out. The Big Twenty Two. Yeah. Um, that was uh, Kyler Murray at three touchdowns, almost 400 yards. We like that Sam Ellinger. This year, Jalen Hurts, 26 and two as a starter, transfers from Bama to Oklahoma, who's a minus 150 favorite. 
to uh, repeat as conference champs. Texas three to one, Iowa State plus six fifty, TCU fifteen to one, Baylor Oak State twenty to one. Um, Parlay kid, you're going a little a little bit of an underdog here. Texas, you like the Longhorns? Yeah, Texas to win the conference at plus three fifty. Sal, uh, this is year three of the Tom Herman era. era. Uh, are they ready to make the playoff jump? They, they, they just might. This might be that sleeper team uh, this year. Uh, also, he's got Sam Ellinger, a quarterback, 25-5 and five touchdown interception ratio. So he also rushed for 16 touchdowns last year, 41 combined touchdowns. Uh, Herman is basically said he's a better throwing Tim Tebow. He's a better throwing Tim Tebow. That says a lot about this kid. Right? They have a 6'6 wide receiver in college. Tim Tebow. Well, okay, that's that's true. Yeah. That, that that might be well. That's but wait, Tebow was a great college quarterback, right? So if we can that's say true. that this guy is Tim Tebowish, but throws better, uh, we got something there. Uh, they've had two straight top five recruiting classes, so Herman's guys are kind of now in place. They have a young running back in Keontae Ingram, who, as a true freshman last year, totaled about nine hundred yards. He is going to improve on that greatly. And Oklahoma, Sal, I know Hurts has that great win-loss record, but can Hurts duplicate what Murray and Mayfield have done there? I just don't see that happening. Hurts was just not that great of a passer, right? And then Texas, two toughest games. They have an early LSU game, which right now LSU is minus two in that game. And when they play Oklahoma, those two games are both home games for Texas. So... Yeah. I think I think this is their year, plus 350. I think Oklahoma takes a bit of a drop. I mean, what does that mean in the Big 12? One loss, two losses, and Texas is climbing that ladder. They're going to win uh, uh, the Big 12 at plus 350. I think that's very good value. Very good. I value had, uh, yeah, I think the Texas plays Oklahoma. I think that's mid-October this year, last year. Playing that game, obviously they've been in the conference finals, but 48-45, I kept refreshing. I was driving my son to a uh, tournament, and uh, it was, I, I kept refreshing in the car, and I was like driving 80 miles an hour, and I, that was the closest I came to killing us right there. Almost died because of this Texas-Oklahoma rivalry, and my, my, my son F-cursed me, and I, I couldn't even say anything. What am I doing? I'm updating scores. Don't do it, people. Put it aside. Put the phone aside. Uh, Brother Bry. You stay in the state of Texas, the Horned Frogs you like this year. Yeah, I like, uh, I like TCU over 7.5. I think I liked them last year, but they were riddled with injuries. So the reason I like them is Gary Patterson doesn't have two mediocre seasons in a row. In three of the last five seasons, he's had at least 11 wins. I think he's 47-19 and 19 in the last five seasons. Like I said, they had so many injuries. I mean, there was games where it's like they were on their, like, 10th quarterback. It was amazing. And they still hung in there. I know Harry actually played them late in the season, some games. He had some good picks with them that they covered. But if you, again, if you look at their start of the season, they have a good chance of being five and one. Um, they, geez, they have Arkansas, Pine Bluff. Uh, if, again, it, Purdue seems to be on a lot of schedules, but if they win at Purdue, then they have SMU, Kansas. Uh, at Iowa State, it'll be tough, but then at Kansas State. So there's a good chance they could be. Five and one heading into that home game against Texas, um, but yeah, I just there's something about them that I always really like. The guy Rieger's a really good receiver. Uh, last year they finished four and one in their last five, uh, beat some good teams. Again, they won another bowl game against Cal, and this is with nobody on their roster. So, and 
and this is similar to what Darren was saying with, with uh, his team with Northwestern before, but the one thing you can guarantee is in the Big 12, though, they're going to be number one in total defense, regardless who's back. I think they returned five guys, but right. they're going to be number one uh, defensively. They bring in the kid Alex Delton from Kansas State. Uh, I know there's another uh, young recruiter quarterback that could possibly challenge him, but I just, uh, I don't know. I really like the seven and a half. I can't find more than four losses on the schedule for them. And this coach, like you mentioned, Gary Patterson, he's good. He's like 500 or better in 15 of 18 seasons and second best record in the Big 12 TCU over the last five seasons, 47 and 19. They're winners. They're winners last year. You just got to get over that seven and a half. Uh, Harry, Iowa State, yeah? Love Iowa State. Love them to win the conference at six to one. One of the most sought after head coaches in college football and Matt Campbell. Uh, they returned 14 starters. They were ranked number one in the Big 12 on defense last season. Uh, and Iowa State and Oklahoma are the only two teams in the Big 12 the last two years to have eight-plus wins. Quarterback Brock Purdy, he came in after like four or five games last year. The team was getting about 19 points a game. Since he took over, they were getting about 34 points a game. And he had the best passing efficiency in the conference last year. Not Heisman hopeful like Darren just mentioned, Sammy Ellinger, uh, or Heisman winner Kyler Murray. It was Brock Purdy. And I think that, you know, Darren makes some good points about Jalen Hurts. I think the Oklahoma team's a bit overrated. I think he's overrated. Texas's demise, though, as I do like Ellinger, they only returned three defensive starters on a team that gave up 27 points a game last year. So I think when November 16th hits, Texas goes to Ames, Iowa, and I think you can mark it down. Cyclones roll them and steamroll into the conference championship game against probably Oklahoma. I think they're going to need that because they have. I think they have Oklahoma the week before, right? So probably the week, have to get the week after one of those last two. Yeah, Oklahoma the week after. Texas 16th. They lost David Montgomery. That guy, that's the Bears running back. But they're fun to watch, Iowa State. Uh, I'm going off the board here. I'm going Baylor. Over seven and a half wins, minus 120. Seven and six last year under Matt Rule. They won a bowl game. Six-game improvement from the year before. And if you look at his numbers at Temple, he was two and ten year one, six and six year two, ten and four in year three. Little pattern there. Um, Six returning on offense, six on defense, which needs work. They gave up 30 plus a game, but in that conference, that's like, uh, whatever. That's like having a 1.5 ERA. They have some, uh, all conference, uh, preseason, all conference quarterback, Charlie Brewer, running back, Treston Ebner, wide receiver, Denzel Mims. These guys are all good. They lose Jalen Hurd, who's already lighting it up in the preseason for the uh, 49ers schedule wise, UTSA, Stephen F. Austin Rice. There's three Kansas state, Kansas, Oklahoma state, Texas tech, West Virginia. They'll be favoring at least four of those games. And then Texas and Oklahoma at home uh, trip one of them up late in the season. Well, there's eight, maybe nine wins for Matt Rule's Baylor uh, Bears. Tate, any uh, interest in the Big 12, or are you just looking forward to 100 points a game? <laughs> well, that's what they do. Yeah, they put up a lot of points. I, I actually like Oklahoma a little bit more than you guys do, but mm-hmm. I also have faith in Texas. I saw that they get hypnotized the other day, and maybe that's like a good reason for them to finally stop thinking about carrying the burden of bringing Texas football back. I like Sammy Ellinger. I think that he can uh, be that guy, and I kind of like him as a Heisman pick too. So oh. I'm going to go with PK and go with uh, Texas. Someone look that up for uh, Tate. We'll, we'll, we'll go over Heisman odds in a couple weeks, or maybe next – or yeah, I guess a couple weeks. But uh, Ellinger for Heisman is interesting. All right, uh, Pac-12, what a mess. 
um, should be better. I don't really get it. Last year, Washington beat Utah 10 to three in the championship game. So boring. One team ended 10 and four, the other nine and five, the weakest, most ho-hum major conference out there. Not even really close to sending a team to the playoff in the last two years. Is it playoff or playoffs? I feel like it's playoff in college football only, but uh, everywhere else it's playoffs. Mm. Harry, is it playoff or playoffs? I think it's playoff. Are you saying S? Yeah. No, I'm not saying it. Sing it. Maybe we should make a Twitter poll about this. It's fascinating results. I think it's playoff. Uh, I think the trend's going to continue. Oregon, 10 to 1, is the Pac 12 team most likely to make the playoff for playoffs. 10 to 1. That's insane. But the weird thing is, 11 teams, I think, have a legit shot to make a bowl appearance. Um, Parlay Kid, how do you see it? You like Washington to win the conference? Yeah, so I got Washington at plus 325. Again, this goes to a little bit of what Brian was just saying about the TCU coach. I think the Huskies have the best coach in the conference, Chris Peterson. Uh, he's lost one home game over the last three years, and that's where their most difficult games reside this year against Oregon, Utah, Washington State. They, all, they play all those teams at home. One thing, too, with Washington that you can always guarantee – they always have a top defense. So even though this defense is only returning a few starters on it, they're going to put together a good defense. Again, we'll be one of the top in the nation. Um, Pac-12 preseason fade for newcomer of the year, quarterback Jacob Eason. He's a, he's a Georgia transfer, started some games for Georgia over mm-hmm. the years with Fromm. Uh, and he'll be an upgrade over Jake Browning. I know Browning was a, a longtime starter there. Um, but it just seemed like he kind of peaked his freshman year and never really got much better for them. Uh, they're 32-9 and nine over their last three years, 10 wins, 10 wins, 12 wins. They just win uh, football games. This is a team that just wins. And by the way, this quarterback six six two thirty. This kid is a stud. So at plus 325, I think they got the best coach in the conference, like the Oregon coach, right, Cristobal. Right? Is that how you say his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, Cristobal, Cristobal. Cristobal. Who's, I mean, they have the better coach. I mean, it's not even close, I think, here. I think this guy finds out. Uh, Chris Peterson will get it done here. They'll, at plus 325, let's roll with them. Harry, you disagree. You like Cristobal. Now, that, a very underrated bad beat when he really could have knelt down and beat Stanford in that Saturday oh, night game. Man. And I, I, I don't think you could ever hear enough about that. And, of course, as every coach does, uh, says, you know, even though he could have knelt down, bled the clock out. Uh, that's not how we play. We're aggressive. That's it. We keep playing. Let's <laughs> say, like, all right, okay. How about when you're on the team bus and the game's over? You're still taking shots at each other's heads? I at some point, take the win, Harry. But you like Chris Dole, You like Oregon to win the conference? Yeah, I like Oregon to win the conference. I think, you know, uh, quarterback Justin Herbert uh, might have been the number one pick in the NFL draft if he would have not left. But uh, he came back to make a run. He's got a uh, a lot of weapons behind him. Sophomore running back C.J. Verdell had over 1,300 yards in scrimmage last year and 12 touchdowns. They returned 10 offensive starters. They had one of their best recruiting classes in history. Uh, I, th- I have to disagree with Barley. I mean, you lost Browning, and you lost running back Miles uh, Gaskin as well. Gaskin had 32 touchdowns last year. I think that was that's going to be huge against uh, Nebraska, uh, against, Nebraska, against uh, Washington's offense. And everything, and they're only returning a few starters too. I think that's mm. going to be the game that determines who wins the North. But I think it's going to be Oregon who gets it done. And now, uh, and Herbert will 
take them. I think he's, when they play, they do play at Washington, so it could, it's going to be tough. They're going to be playing in Seattle, but they've got a solid defense, too, where they've got uh, all-conference linebacker Troy Dye coming back. He's had back-to-back seasons of 100 tackles. I just think the Ducks, uh, even though they were fortunate last year to win at home against Washington, they go into Seattle and take them down and take on Utah and beat Utah in the championship game. All right, well. You might both hit that then, because Brother Bry likes Utah, but to only to win the South. Bry, I think you were on the right side of that Washington-Utah conference final, right? miserable game last year, right? No, he lost it, right? No. Oh, you I, did? Uh, no, I, 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 well, actually, the conference final. No, I think, no, I was on the right side of it last year on the conference final. The, 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 the game during the season, I got killed. Harry, we have very few I, wins I I bet, this year. Don't, don't make stuff up. I, I think I had a best bet during the season last year. I thought I, I, I thought I remember all Brian's losses. Uh, <laughs> well, that was during well, the season that Utah-Washington loss that I had. But, uh, yeah, I like Utah to win the South. Like, I liked them a lot last year, too. I, I picked them last year for, I think, over seven and a half wins. And I also had said, I, I think I also bet them to win the South at, like, three to one last year. But minus 125 to win the South this year. Um, it, I was debating that at over nine and a half. I, I feel like this gives them a little bit more leeway. I don't see how they don't win the South. Look, again, their schedule is really easy. You know, if they have 15 starters back. Uh, their whole D-line is back. They have Huntley and Moss back, and Huntley was hurt a lot of last year. So, again, if you look at their schedule at BYU, Northern Illinois, Idaho State, at USC. At USC is obviously going to be their, their their tough game, especially for the conference. but. I think they could lose one one game in that conference, maybe even two, and I think those other teams are just, you know, your Arizona State, your Arizona USC, those teams I think are going to beat each other. So, again, if you look at Whittingham, he's won nine, seven, nine. Darren was talking about Peterson for uh, great coaches in the Pac-12, but Whittingham has won nine, seven, nine, ten, and nine the last five mm-hmm. years. So I think I would expect them to have another great year um, yeah, and their their toughest games, obviously at Washington, which they always struggle against, at USC and at Arizona. Those are their toughest games, but at USC, at Arizona, very winnable games. So uh, I feel I, like we with, I with would Utah, def- then uh, Paul Kidd, I remember, has mentioned like, that Utah is a very underrated team, maybe the most underrated Power 5 conference team until you I, bet them and then they'll lose. You know, it's like, oh my God, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah, they, they never get a lot of love. I feel like this year is the first year yeah. everybody's kind of all over them with all these guys returning because that, that line was originally eight and a half, nine, and that's jumped up to nine and a half. So that's why I, I think I'd prefer with not too Just much of a South. change in price, I'd prefer them to win the South. Right. That's good. Well, I'm going, uh, I mean, these local teams stink. Uh, UCLA, I'm going under six and a half. People have high hopes for this team. They have three wins last year. Now they're under. Uh, under six and a half, minus 120. Chip Kelly's, what, they're, they're expected to double their win total. And then some, they have nine returning starters on offense who all stunk last year. They were 11th in the conference. They have uh, Joshua oh. Kelly. already had 12 touchdowns last year at running back. It's going to be good. Theo Howard will be good. Uh, they have a new offensive coordinator, Justin Fry. I don't know. This quarterback, no, he was a freshman last year. Dorian Thompson Robinson was young. Seven touchdowns, four interceptions, 11th in efficiency, 11 returning starters on defense. Also terrible. Allowed 30 plus in every game except for two or three, I think. They're at Cincy versus San Diego State and home for Oklahoma to start. I see that at one and two. They end at Utah at USC versus Cal. I think they're four and eight or five and seven. And I think we say goodbye to Chip Kelly. Tate, who's more annoying, UCLA or USC fans? 
USC probably, right? Private school kids, they're yeah. probably more annoying. Yeah, they are. They yeah, are. We'll say that. They have to be. <laughs> uh, not just because I'm an Aikman guy, but yeah, it, it's just it, they're unbearable once they get going. Thank God they haven't been good for a little bit. All right, let's pick a winner real quick, guys. Um, the odds on favorites to make the playoffs is Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, and Michigan, which is weird because Ohio State is favored to win more games and to win their conference. But if you go... I don't know. Maybe it's just the site I'm looking at that Michigan is favored to make the playoff over Ohio State. Um, Brother Bry, Parlay Kid, and I all like Alabama at plus 240. I'm going to say this is, uh, you guys can go into more detail, but last 10 or 11 years, Saban failed to win the title six times. Four of those times, he came back with a ring. I just think there's going to be too much offense. They always play defense, but two of the throw to Jerry Judy, uh, Devonta Smith. Jim Waddle, Henry Rugg, these guys are phenomenal. They're going to put up 40 points a game. Uh, yeah. They have LSU at home. They're at AM. Um, they're at Mississippi State and at Auburn. They're probably a double digit favorite in at least two of those games, plus 240. Let's worry about it then. Brother Brian, you brought up a good point. They'll probably be like a six point favorite in the conference championship game. And then um, the same for each of the uh, title game, for each of the uh, playoff games. How do you like that? Yeah. So, I mean, that's. I mean, that's the thing. We say this every year. Why don't we take them at plus 240? I mean, maybe it's a little different now with Clemson because that number probably never get too crazy. But, you know, we always say this. At some point in time, Alabama is going to be like, you know, plus 150. Then it's going to be closer to even. And you're going to be like, shit, I could have got them at plus 240. I don't know why I didn't do that. So it's like, how do you go against Saban at this point in time, especially after losing the national title? Uh, you know, the last two times they lost the title game, they won it the following year. Saban's only lost four games in the last four years. Uh, so I don't know. I, unless to, uh, you know, maybe you could play like an LSU for some value at like 22-1 if you think like Tua could get hurt. That would be the only thing. But they have so much talent, so much talent on offense, like you said. And then they also bring in the number one recruiting class. So uh, it's just hard to go against Saban. You know how pissed off he's going to be this year. So... Yeah. Uh, plus two forty. Again, you're gonna get, you're gonna be pissed off at yourself in week eight or nine when it's right. uh, Parley kid, do you have anything to add for Alabama? No, I tell so exactly what you guys, is, what you and brother Bry is saying. Um, I just think I think this team's gonna play with a chip on their shoulder this year. Uh, I think they're going to do whatever they can to get two of the Heisman. If that means that he's in there for three and a half quarters every game throwing like seven touchdowns, that's what they're going to do. They're going to play with the with an edge this year. Uh, I think ultimately, um, I think that you're still getting good value with them uh, where they're at. What, what do we say? So plus 240, I know we've mentioned it, but I'm yeah, getting so confused with all the numbers already. Plus 240, uh, that's good value, I think, for an Alabama team right now. What the heck? Why not uh, jump on it? Everybody should be jumping on that. There's definitely going to be a chip there, and uh, Saban always – kind of bounces back as a coach like you said so let's uh let's roll with that all right harry and you're gonna roll with a different team the michigan wolverines tell us aside from the reason that the quarterback is named after your girlfriend why you like the wolverines this year <laughs> patterson peterson oh anyways uh yeah i know you guys disagree but uh this has to be it for harbaugh i think it's 15 to 1 you know, this has to be it. He's got to get it done, obviously. Uh, he gets Ohio State at home, as we said, in a rebuilding season for the Buckeyes. My boy, Shea Patterson, veteran quarterback leader. Uh, they returned eight offensive starters, six of them 
being preseason all-conference. Wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones returned. He had 47 catches, eight touchdowns last year. Uh, the Wolverines had a top-10 defense in the nation uh, last year. They've had a uh, top-10 uh, in the last five years. They were number two overall in defense last year behind Mississippi State. I think it's time for Michigan to take over Ohio State for Big Ten supremacy and to be in the Final Four uh, and for a chance at the national championship. It's their time. It's Harbaugh's time. All right. Right. You wanted to talk about Harry was uh, singing uh, Patterson Peterson's praises. What were you saying, Harry? He's going to win the Heisman. We haven't done Heisman odds, but you like him this year, right? What was he saying, Brian? Well, he opened, I saw it, 20 to 1. He's down to 17 to 1, so someone's betting on him. Who's yeah, it was it's just the re- it was the it was the reason Sarah gave. He was listen, saying listen, that you know his his efficiency, but then seventeen one. I'm like, it's not right. great value because he didn't. He had a good year last year, and he was still outside of the top ten, and he started strong. I wow, you're right. I'd I'd rather take Michigan at fifteen to one than take Patterson at seventeen to one. You're right. The value isn't there, but I mean, at 15, at seventeen to one, he's there for if they go undefeated, if they do run the table and beat Ohio State. And they're in the Final Four, and his and he led the team, maybe not by stats, but his leadership. He's going to be considered definitely. No, but well, you could say the same thing. We we said this. He's got to be twelve. He's got to be eleven and one, twelve and zero. He has to maybe beat up Ohio State, but he's got to get like thirty-five, forty touchdowns. I mean, how is he going to be? I I disagree. I don't think he has to get that much if they go undefeated and they're in the Final Four. I was making fun of Harry because he was quoting his leadership might get him the Heisman Trophy. That was yeah. the main reason dun, he might win. Dun, so that's dun, why dun, I had to rag on Yeah. You know. This is what his therapist told him to say. When you don't like what everyone's saying, you just make noises. That's what his therapist told him. Harry just has – well, I was going to say, like you said before, Harry develops obsessions for certain players, right? And he can mm-hmm. never let them go. It's like, like you said, Sal, like letters, colors, mm-hmm. what, what, what's, that, what's that, names. John McVeigh? John McVeigh, what? <laughs> <laughs> You've never met Patterson <laughs> right. Peterson. What are you talking about? Yeah, yes. Have you met him? Mr. Ram? But, but the logic is, look, if Fields goes undefeated for Ohio State, he's going to be in the conversation then, right? For I mean, so... Guys are not winning Heisman's for leadership right now. These guys, the too many guys put up just so much. Their numbers are so ridiculous that Patterson won't different. match any of their this numbers. He just won't. Right. Let me ask anybody here other than Harry, if you could have Ellinger or Patterson at the same odds for Heisman, you go Ellinger, right? He's going to put up so many uh, yeah, better numbers. going to have such a better resume to go by if, the, if his team uh, makes it so far. Texas could have two losses, though. All right. All right. Well, listen, we have to move on. This is, this is really, this has gone on long enough. Where are we, Tate? We're oh, we at uh, Captain, Captain Morgan, right? Yeah. Yeah. Riverboat Casino. Listen, yeah. Another one. Our sponsored segment, Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino. Each week, the degenerate trifecta and I set sail tackling pretend propositions related to sports, pop culture events. The captain's been off the whole month of July and last week, chilling in his uh, vacation home in Nantucket and Jupiter, Florida, but he's back because there's a big UFC card out this Saturday. Uh, 241, is that what it is? Somewhere, somewhere. We're getting up there. Um, And he asked us point blank. This this one's not fancy. If you're going to win your one MMA match, what would you like 
the result to be? By knockout punch, minus 180. Uh, knockout kick, even. Submission, 5-2. to two. Decision, 12-1. to one. No one's taking that. Or other, 15-1. to one. All right, Harry, start us off. Well, I think I'd have to go submission at 5-2. to two. Um, I don't know all the moves and everything, but if I did, and I don't know if it's legal, but uh, I'm, I'm decent at applying the Cobra Clutch, but I'm fantastic at applying the final four. Uh, the, the, the final four. The figure four leg lock. I can do oh that fantastic, God. Darren. Yeah, so maybe I'd go with the, uh, the figure four. He can't, he can't be my serious. Tate, your boy can't be serious for uh, just one minute. I hope the captain suspends him from this segment. The figure <laughs> yeah, four. Yeah, I think you can make the final four before you can do a figure four. <laughs> if you get someone in the final four leg lock, I'd love to see that. <laughs> I hope it's Ken. All right. Ken. Parlay Ken. 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 Parlay Ken, how's it going? How do you, how do you uh, want to win this? No, you, you just said at 12 to 1, nobody would take the decision, but I'm going to take the decision at 12 to 1. Oh. Uh, that's great value. And so this is, I know that sounds kind of boring, but isn't this where the Parlay Kid could showcase all the skills throughout a three, maybe even a five round fight if it's a championship round fight? Hey, look at the Parlay Kid. Look, look at his striking game leading with the left, coming hard with the right. Oh, look at the parlay kid on the ground. Look at his wrestling skills. Unbelievable, right? Oh, look at the parlay kid with these kicks. Whoa. <laughs> and I could, sh- I could showcase my whole overall game and a complete dominating performance. You leave after one fight, people are like, you know what? That guy might have been the best overall fighter ever, but he got out of the game real quick. So just in that, like, it wouldn't be a lucky punch, one lucky punch or a submission. I get my get full air time for the rounds, for the three rounds, I guess, because it's not a title fight yet. And then uh, just complete domination in all facets of, of the fight. And, <laughs> and the decision would allow me to do that. It would allow but me to do that. Like kid, you, you well, could do all those decision. things. You could, you could paint the blank canvas and still win by knockout or kick or something. You don't have to yeah. you know, leave it up to the corrupt judges at the end. That, that's, a, that's an amateur choice, Parley Kid. No, it would be so dominant. It would be so dominant. So dominant. Uh, if, you're that, if you're that perfect, why don't you run for president, Darren? <laughs> <laughs> set just set your brother straight, brother Bry. What, what what's the correct answer? Here? Uh, it's funny, yeah. As I'm listening to Farley Kitty, he's got a lot of good points uh, to showcase himself on TV. But you're you're also in a three round fight, going to be even if you're dishing it out, you're also going to be taking a lot of punishment over three or five rounds, which there's no way I'd want to do at this point in my life. So I think there's no better way to show dominance over another fighter than getting a knockout by a punch. The other things seem a little bit fluky to me, so I'm going to say knockout victory. But um, but I guess who am I kidding, right? I'd feel bad about knocking somebody out. So like, I, maybe I'll change it. Wait, can I change it to submission? Because I, you know sure. me, I'd feel guilty of knocking somebody out. So uh, I'd feel yeah, I'd feel a little bit better. Maybe I'll uh, lock. I don't know. What do you want to use the final? Yeah, if I could do the final four on somebody too, that uh, <laughs> maybe I'll take that. I'd feel too feel too bad otherwise. Brother Bragg, I know where you're coming from a little bit. It's a little barbaric knocking somebody out, even a kick to the face, which would be uh, a little luckier to to aim flush. Uh, any of this is lucky uh, if we're talking about me doing it. But growing up, what what what's what's more powerful than knocking somebody out with one punch? Right. How many yeah. Mike Tyson videos did we watch over the year? It's still the punch. That's still the ultimate dominance over someone. I'm going to la- add a layer to it. Knockout punch wow. to the kidney. And because you have to use such oh. force and such torque mm, nice. and penetrate someone's midsection, which you, you think is strong, uh, that they can't take it anymore. It's like chop, chopping down a, a, 
a, a tree there, Parley Kid. That's how I would do it. Knockout punch to the kidney where the guy could just look at you. He still has his wits to look at you and be like, I, I, I can't go. I can't go anymore. You, you broke me in half. That's it. That's my pick right there. Wow. Knockout punch, but to the kidney. Uh, Tate, you're not a fighter. Wow. I, I know this for oh, sure. I, absolutely not a fighter, but I will say I like a kidney punch. That sounds pretty good, so I'll go with kidney punch. All right. Uh, Parla Kid, Pettis over Diaz. Do you see it uh, ending in kidney punch? How do you, How do you see this? Well, uh, Pettis' last fight against uh, Wonderboy Thompson there ended with one of those, uh, uh, what what do you call it, Bri? One of those uh, Superman punches, Superman, I believe, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Or was it, a, yeah. it was something yeah. like that. And, uh, yeah, it's tough. Pettis has been the more active fighter. I know uh, he's taken his fair share of losses against really good competition. Diaz, three years off now. Uh, he's already kind of a, he's been through a lot, been through some wars. Uh, some people might look like, oh, maybe these three years have given his body a chance to um, recover. I don't really look at it like that. I think he's just going to have a lot of ring rust, and he's got a lot of wear and tear anyway. Pettis coming off a very nice win last time. I think he keeps the momentum going. Uh, let's look at Pettis at minus 140 to uh, to win that fight. I probably would like I Myself, being the parlay kid, would probably be taking Pettis and Cormier on a parlay this uh, this weekend. All right, Pettis and Cormier. Yeah, I, you know, Nate Diaz, friend of the podcast, was on. I interviewed him about the uh, McGregor. Um, what is it? it was, uh, McGregor, McGregor Mayweather. Sorry, uh, he actually surprised me. It made news, Tate. I don't know if you remember. He said McGregor was going to give him a fight, and we didn't expect that from Diaz, and we didn't expect that from McGregor either. And he did give him a fight. Scared the shit out of me. We all had the money line on uh, Mayweather for a while. <laughs> uh, yeah, but three year layover, maybe. Too long to uh, put money on Diaz. Brother Bry Cormier over Stipe. I know everybody loves Stipe, but Cormier, he's as solid as they come, right? Yeah, I mean, I love I love Stipe, too. There's something about yeah. him I really like. But I like Cormier, too. But I'm going to – I would say Cormier in the rematch here, minus 140. Uh, like uh, Parley Kid, I know, likes uh, Pettis, Pettis, too. Uh, so, but it seems like the favorites – recently have been coming through a lot for these fights. I can't believe we haven't been making a lot of money off of them. Um, but if you, I went back yesterday and I had to, I, I rewatched that first round. It really was fantastic. And Stipe actually really controlled the pace and the distance and looked really good for two thirds of it. Even his wrestling looked better than Cormier. But I just feel like in this fight, Cormier just has more ways to win. It, it's, in that first round when they fought the last time, his leg kicks definitely bothered Stipe in the first round. I think he'll, you probably will see him do that again, which will lead to a lot of head strikes. I think his cardio, because even you could tell Stipe in that last fight, he looked great. He's maybe started to tire a little bit at the end of that first round. He hasn't fought in 13 months. Meanwhile, Cormier has fought at least that one fight. So I feel like there's just different ways for Cormier to win. It just seems like Cormier, the only t- you know, obviously the only time he loses is to Bone Jones. So I'm yeah. going to say, even though, again, that first fight is possible, look, it is very possible that first fight, that eye poke that happened late in, the, late in that first yeah. round really impacted that fight. And, you know, you're getting, you know, I think, look, if Stipe was plus 180, plus 190, I think I would, I think I would take a shot at it, thinking maybe he could get a knockout. But I'm going to say Cormier wins uh, inside of 5-2, just he, again, I, whenever a, a lighter guy knocks out a heavier guy, I don't, I have to question that guy's chin a little bit. So I'm going to say Cormier wins 
Well, you know, don't be yeah. surprised. You see the eye poke, he's disillusioned, then all of a sudden he, he jumps on it. He applies the uh, final four leg lock, and then that's that. It's the end of that match. All right. Uh, hey, we did a lot, guys. This is, uh, I'm proud of you. We did a lot of research. Not Tate as much, but the the degenerate trifecta. It's tough. Uh, these guys, these are not household names, these college players learning the number two wide receiver on the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Not Adam Thielen. But uh, so we're going to be off. We're going to be in Vegas Friday night. We're signing up for what, Harry? Cont- what contest we sign up for, Harry, on Saturday? Uh, it's at the Gold Nugget. Um, it's a $1,000 entry. Uh, it's college and pro. You pick seven games um, a week. Uh, you get a, a point for a win, for a win half point is it for got, a tie. Is it the gold contest? I, it, I don't need your picks right now. Is, what's no, the it's, it's, well, it's, it's, oh. it's not the – is it what? I thought it's called the gold contest. Whatever. All right. So we're at the, we're it, at the Golden know. Nugget Saturday around 10.30, <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Somewhere in there, and you could see us at Top Golf uh, if you're around Friday night around uh, 8 or 8.30. Come say hi, uh, and then we're going to do a podcast from there. Uh, Saturday morning, we'll post Tuesday. Tate, what are you doing uh, this weekend? Tate, you are you have a Parley Kid's son in town, right? Showing him around? That's right. Yeah, we're going to be hanging out. He's about to get here, I think, in about an hour or so. So, nice. yeah, give him a little studio tour of the Ringer. And uh, we're going to hang out tomorrow. Going to come get dinner with you, I believe. So, yeah, we got a, we got a lot of stuff in the works. I'm going to teach him how to edit audio. So, you know, we have some people around here who can edit audio. And, yeah, going to be a good nice. trip. All right. Well, I'm gonna, I'll take you guys out fatten yeah. you up. Hey, Gil yeah. Brandt. Is waiting on the line, and uh, we're going to talk to him in a second. Hall of Famer. Stay tuned. For over 20 years, DirecTV has been the exclusive home to NFL Sunday Ticket, the only way to get every live game every Sunday. Well, good news, NFL fans. DirecTV has expanded the service. If you live in an apartment or area where DirecTV service is not available, you can now get NFL Sunday Ticket without a satellite. To see if you're eligible, go online to NFLSundayTicket.tv and stream every NFL Sunday Ticket game this season to follow your favorite team no matter where you live. Use promo code RINGER at checkout to save 15%. Exclusive student discounts also available. And... Hey, whatever you're passionately curious about, you can keep digging in and learning more with a master of the field when you sign up for Masterclass. Our own Tate Frazier signed up for Masterclass. Tate, how did it go? Uh, it went pretty well. You know, I signed up for a Natalie Portman acting class, and I think, uh, you know, it's working out well. You know how to act? <laughs> I think so. I don't... Are you acting right now? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> this is what I learned. You just say and believe anything you're doing. That's <laughs> okay. Tate is not acting. Oh, he is acting right now. Listen, Masterclass offers exclusive access to online classes taught by masters of their craft. Learn poker from Daniel Negreanu, a six-time champion, World Series of Poker, poker strategy from Phil Ivey, and tons more. Masterclass offers class on everything from game design to basketball to French pastry fundamentals. Lessons are about 10 to 15 minutes long, and you can explore them in whatever order you'd like on your phone, tablet, Apple TV, and computer. Plus, Masterclass offers a 30-day money-back guarantee when you sign up for annual membership. So you got nothing to lose. Now you can have unlimited access to every Masterclass. And as an Against All Odds listener, you'll get $30 off. Just go masterclass.com slash odds for $30 off your first year of all access pass. That's masterclass.com slash odds for unlimited access. $30 off masterclass.com slash odds. 
All right, on the line right now, a true legend. I mean, I've had plenty of false legends on this podcast before, but this guy, true legend, former vice president of player personnel for the Dallas Cowboys. He did that for almost 30 years. He's in the Cowboys Ring of Honor, uh, Sirius XM NFL radio host, most knowledgeable man in the sport, if that's the kind of thing you're into. And, and as of two weeks ago, a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, Gil Brandt, thanks for coming on against the odds, and congratulations on your induction to the Hall of Fame. Well, thank you. And I tell you, I couldn't write a better introduction if I did it myself. <laughs> you've written enough, and you've done enough for this league. In fact, I, I, I almost think you should turn your back on the Hall of Fame. I, screw these guys. You've been a, a prominent force in the NFL for 64 years. Uh, I would say I'm not accepting your invitation. I'm starting my own <laughs> Hall of Fame. That's what I would do if I were you. Is it too late for that? No, you know, the, the Hall of Fame is unbelievable. What they have done to preserve the history of the National Football League, uh, you know, going back, uh, and, and every year it's different. They add to it every year uh, with different members come in, of course. But the hall itself is centrally located there in Ohio. And anybody that's within three hours driving time uh, on, a, on a summer afternoon or a winter afternoon and doesn't take advantage of going there and their family there, uh, they've made a mistake. Well, and now they can marvel over your, your beautiful bust, right? You have your head right there with all the greats. And honestly, you deserve it. I, I don't want to uh, blow smoke up your behind, but you're revolutionary. Uh, you, you, when, when uh, scouting, you considered players from other sports and other countries, undrafted free agents. You involved computers. No scouts had really done this before you came along, right? But I'm glad your contributions are finally getting appreciated. Well, it was kind of like taking the side off the Panama Canal. They said it mm -hmm. couldn't be done, and, 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 and it was done. And the, and the thing with the computer is everybody kind of laughed at us and said, you know, there's no way that a machine can grade a player as good as an individual. And uh, we found out that that was not true because that machine is, if you put good stuff in, it, it, you get good stuff out. If you put garbage in, you get garbage out. So we had to establish a rating system, and that was really hard because it's very difficult for people to see a player uh, in uh, Maine, as an example, as opposed to one in Montana. And uh, so we had to find out a way in which the grade could be meaningful and, and to one Maine and one Montana. And so we established this nine-to-one grading system with nine being outstanding, three being average, and one being poor. And what we were trying to do is is there's very, in, when you see the draft today, uh, once you get by about 17 players, like in last year's draft, there's 50 of them that all look alike. We wanted to be sure we got the best of those 50 and not the 50th one. And so we had, we had a grading system uh, that we used. It was nine to one, and it was very, very successful. I mean, it seems so simple now that you explained it, but back then, 1966, early 60s, it, they probably looked at you like you had three heads. I mean, honestly, they, they did a baseball version of this movie, Moneyball. I would love to do this movie on you and your accomplishments and how you opened the eyes for all these other scouts. It really is something else. Let me tell you a very interesting story. Uh, 1963, the draft was in Chicago uh, in the middle, or not the middle of the season, but on the Monday after Thanksgiving. 
And what happened is is that uh, we were going to draft Paul Warfield, and then at the last minute we traded to get a veteran wide receiver, uh, Buddy Dial, and uh, we we really liked Mel Renfro, but we weren't sure what his his physical condition was because after the death of the president, uh, he put his arm his hand through a, a mirror, plate glass mirror, oh, and wow. uh, so we had to we had to send a doctor. Dr. Slocum down from Portland, Oregon to Eugene, Oregon, uh, to be sure everything was okay. And so we held up the draft about six hours. And about midway into the six-hour period, uh, Vince Lombardi came by, and as only Vince could say, <laughs> what happened? Did your computer break down? We said, no, it's just kind of it's resting a little bit. And then about three years later, Vince came and called, and he said, you know, I'd like to become a part of that computer. Uh, uh. I said, well, Vince... Vince, we'd love to have you. The startup cost is $3 million. He said, I'm not that interested. <laughs> he didn't have that kind of money hidden under his hat? That's funny. Well, That's they had amazing. plenty of money. The Green Bay at the time had plenty of money because they were a team that you know, didn't pay any taxes, and, and, it was, and, and they had all those people that donated money and didn't get anything in return. But Green Bay, because of Vince, uh, become the, became one of the darlings of the NFL franchises. Right, right. Who was the player that the Cowboys let go that hurt you the most at the time and in retrospect in the, in those early days? I know I, I heard you tell the story of Joe Montana, but it wasn't feasible in terms of uh, what you had on the roster already. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, but what what probably the guy that was the the biggest disappointment to let go uh, was a guy named Mike Walter. Mike Walter was a second round draft choice from Oregon. And uh, we thought he was a pretty good player. I should say I thought he was a pretty good player. And in the second year, uh, we we used we'd have per, a personnel meeting every night. And uh, for some reason, uh, our coaches were not that high on Mike Walter uh, from Oregon University. And what happened is we cut him. And as soon as we cut him, I called uh, Bill Walsh and I said, Bill, I said this is a good player. Claim him. And Bill did. He played ten years. Uh, for the mm. San Francisco 49ers and got four Super Bowl rings and was their leading tackler. So that was the one that probably hurt me the most as far as a guy that we thought that had a lot of possibilities and we let him go. Kind of an unsung hero, yeah, when you talk about Mike Walter. Um, the man that fired you, Jerry Jones, came in there, what, 89, 89, right? You let yes. him present you in the Hall of Fame. I, I, felt, I thought this was in, an interesting move. Well, let me tell you this. Uh, uh, Jerry uh, is maligned, uh, but people don't know Jerry. And and I I thought Jerry would be the best person to introduce me. And, and one of the reasons in the back of my mind was I wanted people to see that you don't hold a grudge. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I in my speech I mentioned, I said, you know, the best thing that you probably ever did was make me a free agent. Uh, right. <laughs> because it, it it helped me become uh, 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 in, involved in NFL.com, in Sirius Radio. So uh, I was like that free agent that was out there entertaining offers, and it turned out really well for me because I'm so proud of my affiliation uh, with Sirius Radio. When I started there, we had 323,000 subscribers. They got 34 million now. Well, you you do great. I love listening to you. And you're right. He did allow you to you you could spread your wings and and uh, and give all your 
your knowledge out to people, uh, you know, a fan base that wasn't necessarily keyed into you uh, early on, but that's great. Now, listen, I've been a Cowboys fan since I was a young boy. What do you do if you're a smart man? (laughs) I don't know. I I thought so, but I'm not sure now. You know, we could play the game, but you think with the Dak and Zeke and maybe even Amari Cooper, aren't aren't we just spinning our wheels here? He's going to pay everybody. Don't you see it that way? Well, Jerry would pay everybody if he could, and it's not because mm-hmm. he can't afford to do it. But we have a little thing called the salary cap here. Mm-hmm. And and the salary cap has, has really uh, made this league, the competitive balance of this league, amazing. I'm going to take you back to 2010 as an example. Four teams in 2010, Cincinnati, Dallas, Minnesota, and Arizona, finished first in 2009 and finished last in 2010. Two teams. In 2010, the Texans and Denver finished last and they finished first. So you had six teams uh, that completely reversed their their standings in the league. And, you know, Jerry, uh, as, as I said with Jerry, uh, if, if it were dollar for dollar, he'd have it. But the guy does a good job, and he's brought lots and lots and lots of things to the National Football League that makes it the great league that it is today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, and I, I understand there's a salary cap, but it's also like creative accounting. And that, look, Tom Brady takes the half of what he's worth to make that franchise what it is. Now, do you, but just in general, do you have a problem paying a guy who's 15th, 16th, 17th best quarterback a top five salary? Or is that just how it goes? Well, I think this about Dak Prescott. I think mm-hmm. Dak Prescott came into the league and he was 13 and three as a rookie and they finished first. Uh, they had a lot of injuries and a suspension the second year. And, uh, they, they had a losing record last year. The third year is third year in the league. They had Zeke back and they finished first in the NFC East. And Mm -hmm. I think this, when you go back to see what he did in college, in college, uh, he took Mississippi state, which is not a great football school. But he took Mississippi State uh, in his junior year uh, to be ranked number one in the college rankings for about three weeks uh, is what he did. He uh, he went seven games without throwing an interception that particular year. And I think he's a good player. I think maybe uh, there's some uh, remorse about him uh, because he took Tony Romo's job. You know, he took mm-hmm. Tony Romo's job because Tony had that broken back. And then when Tony was ready to come back, uh, Garrett said, no, we're not going to change quarterbacks. This guy's playing too good. Uh, you know, I, I found this out, and, and I signed players for 29 years. I found this, that, that there's always some guy that's going to get more and, and not deserve it, and there's some guy that's going to get less and, and not deserve it. But uh, I think that uh, what Jerry will try to work out with him is some sign of a long-term deal uh, that's cap-friendly and also is fair to both uh, parties. The team had to make it cap-friendly and the player to live with it. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. I, I'm a I'm as big a Romo guy as it gets. I try not to hold a grudge. You're, you're right, Prescott. And, you know, he's, it, Romo said it himself. It's not a meritocracy. Prescott deserved it. Uh, aside from the numbers, the intangibles are all there, right? You got a guy who's a winner. He keeps his mouth shut and the fans like him. So Jerry Jones has to see that as a positive, no matter where his stats uh, unfold. And by the way, you made a nice case for him 
his stats anyway, I think on Twitter uh, last couple of days. But uh, going to Zeke real quick, you have now over the decades seen a, a running back's worth change, right? Uh, maybe Correct. not as valuable if they're going to hold out, hold out early. He's doing the right thing. Hold out after the first contract. Um, how do you think this works? Do you think this works like it did with Emmett Smith? I have a feeling the Cowboys have a kind of an easy slate early on. I think we have Cincinnati, Miami, and obviously open with the Giants. It may not work to his advantage if he holds out the first month, right? Well, well, don't sell the Giants short. Just remember yeah, what I yeah. told you about last to first, because mm-hmm. I think they're pretty good and will be pretty good. Uh, what's happened is in, in, in days gone by, you would have five running backs drafted in the first round. We had one this last year, and we've had uh, several years ago where we didn't even have one drafted in the first round. And the fact is that, you know, because we use three and four receivers, we use three tight ends, uh, we we line up differently than we did a long time ago, and so we don't have that much use for a running back. And the other thing that everybody is concerned about is longevity as far as a running back is concerned. You know, right now, I believe there's only two running backs in this league that have started more than five years. Uh, I go back to uh, I go back to when we made a decision uh, whether we were going to take a running back from Jackson State that eventually went to the Bears or a guy named Randy White who we drafted. We had the number two pick in the draft, and at that time we did our homework and found out that only two backs, uh, the the running back from the uh, Pittsburgh from uh, from Appleton, Wisconsin. I can't think of his name right now. Uh, that was a war hero. And, and, uh, and, oh, Rocky uh, Blyer? Rocky Blyer. Thank you very much. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, Simpson were the only two guys that played more than five years. And mm-hmm. if you remember, John Brockington, uh, came into the league in his first five years in the league, had a thousand yards. And in the yeah. sixth year, he was no longer in the league. So, you know, it's, it's a position. Uh, that uh, you you get tackled a lot, you take a beating, and uh, but not only have you taken it in the National Football League, you've come in uh, from college as a back that carried the ball maybe three hundred times in a, one season, and that makes it tough. For sure, yeah, and that, that might be why the Giants are kind of wasting uh, Saquon Barkley. Although you think they might be a little better this year. Let me say this about Barkley: I think Barkley is a great player. I think he's one of the best running backs and will prove that uh, over time that we've ever had in the national football league. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing to indicate that you're wrong. I mean, he, he came out on fire last year. Just wonder what he's going to do, what they're going to do quarterback wise. Although everyone, uh, everyone has Daniel Jones in the hall of fame, a uh, uh, bust right beside you already. Uh, uh, Gil. <laughs> after, I, love, after he threw six I love Daniel Jones. You do. I love Daniel Jones. His father called me a week ago or so. And he said, I want to thank you for making us come to the draft in New York. Because they, they read the paper and people say, well, he's a third-round choice. Mm-hmm. I think Daniel Jones is going to be one of the stars in this National Football League uh, whenever he gets a chance to play. He's going to be very good. He's a very talented player and a very high-class, smart guy. Those That usually leads to success. Success. All right. Well, you know what? You just depressed me. I'm mean, as a Cowboy fan. I don't want any competition from the Giants. I love that they're a seven point favorite week one. But you, you say I don't. Uh, I don't want any competition either. <laughs> what do you miss most about the game? For if like if you can go back to one rule or one way of doing things to improve the game from the seventies, eighties, nineties, that's different from today. 
what what would you do if you if you had uh, the com- you had the commissioner's ear? Well, let me let me just say this: that you have to take your hat off to the people at three forty five Park Avenue, led by Commissioner Goodell. You know, they they made those, but they never close. And by that, I mean they never stand still. You know, we keep drawing record crowds. We keep having you know better games all the time. And and you know they're always tweaking rules. Is what they're doing. And they're 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 trying to make the game safer. That's the number one object. And I think they've made the game safer. Is what they've done. And and they've just they've added they they want to make a lot of scoring in a game. And and because people don't want to see a ten to six game, they want to see a thirty eight thirty five or thirty eight thirty one type of game. And I think they've done everything possible to make the game safer and cre- increase uh, the way we look at a game as far as accepting it as a really thrilling thing to watch. Yeah, you're right. They've made it safer. And you know what? They're making it safer for sports gamblers like myself. It's a long time coming. Do you welcome the league embracing sports gambling? Or are you worried about certain things happening? Well, I I worry about gambling, period. And I realize that sports gambling is going to be a boon, I think, uh, to franchises, whether it be basketball, football, baseball. Uh, but I worry about that guy uh, that has two children and a wife at home and spends his paycheck gambling. That's what I worry about. Because I'll tell you what, not too many not too many people gamble and go on a vacation, but the bookmakers, they seem to take the bets and go on vacations. Right. Right. Yes. You definitely have to keep it in mind that it's recreational. You're not going to, for the most part, make a, make a living out of it. So that's uh, but are you worried about like players or any uh, shenanigans going on with fixed games or anything? Or you think the the league, uh, the people at park Avenue could keep a, uh, a Hawk's eye on that. I think that, uh, I think that the gambling industry would help them. Uh, and, and as soon as what happens is a game, all of a sudden there's a lot of money comes in on games. Uh, between team A and B and all of a sudden the people and, and they have a great, great security department there and a great uh, rapport with gambling people. I, I think that they'll know when a game, there's something going on in a game, as they say. And, uh, and I also think that we have a type of player in our league with high character uh, and making a lot of money. Uh, it's not like in the old days when they made $14,000 a year. Uh, we got guys now that are making $30 million a year. Uh, I don't think a gambler can touch those kind of guys to make them throw a game. No. Or control Dak the Prescott point. is not going to throw a game for uh, twenty-five grand when he's making $25 million or more. That's that's for sure. All right, I am going to involve he, you with this he gambling. Wouldn't, he, wouldn't he, wouldn't anyway, right? you, he, he wouldn't throw a game <laughs> for $100 million. Uh, you're right. This is a guy who misses the trash can by a centimeter and goes and picks it up in the middle of a game. Uh, tissue piece of tissue Cowboys over under nine wins Gil Brandt what do you say over over nine over nine and and they'll win the east with the 10 or more well I tell you what if it Philadelphia is very good and mm. uh and so uh you know they have to play twice and they they each knock each other off once uh but I think they win the east yes all right. That's all, that's all I need to hear. And they win games in the playoffs. Oh, that'd be great. Wouldn't that be a nice treat for once? 
Gillen, it's been a great treat having you. Congrats on the Hall of Fame induction, albeit 55 years too late in my eyes. But I'm telling you, I am making that movie. So stand by. You're going to get a, another call from me, and it's not going to be on a podcast. It's going to be from All my right, agent. All right, I appreciate it, and thank you for having me on with you today. It was very good. Thank you. I appreciate it. Gil Brand, everybody. All right, that'll do it for another episode of Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. Hey, the Degenerate Trifecta and I will be at Top Golf in Vegas Friday night. Come say hi. Watch the return of Lock It In Monday through Friday. This Monday, we're back 4.30 to 5.30 Eastern on FS1. Jimmy Kimmel Live, 11.35 tonight and every weeknight on ABC. That's that for the Degenerate Trifecta, Master Tate Frazier, and Hall of Famer Gil Brandt. I'm Sal saying so long and happy handicapping. Masterclass offers exclusive access to online classes taught by masters of their craft. Learn everything from game design to basketball to French pastry fundamentals. Get unlimited access to every masterclass with $30 off at masterclass.com slash odds. That's masterclass.com slash odds for $30 off your first year of the all access pass masterclass.com slash odds. 